On this episode, we are traveling deep into the boondocks of Louisiana as we experience the world of hoodoo, voodoo, and some truly gravity-defying moments in Root Work by Tracy Cross. We will also be discussing some books we're excited to read this fall, and there will be spoilers and spicy language. If this book is still on your to-be-read list, we'd hop across the creek and over to another episode. Welcome back to Page Rage. Welcome back. So, fun fact, I took my eldest nephew, he is 12, going on 45, it's very depressing, to this new thing that Tampa's doing, YA on the Bay, to get young adults back into reading. Super cute. And R.L. Stein was the head guy, and I just want to say he's just as adorable and cheeky as you would think a nice little almost 80-year-old man would be. He is just adorable, and I love him. Most of the audience was adults, all of us who had read his work back in the day. But he gave some little fun facts. Uh, he had been writing since the age of nine. He used to go get his haircut. And they would have tales from the crypt there. So he would bring them home and his mother put a stop to that. So he said, I got a haircut every week and would sit there and read all the little tales. And so he just kept up with it. And so he, by age of nine, he started writing and he still writes with one finger. He just types with one finger. He showed us the finger. It was bent. God. Mm -hmm. Why haven't we learned how to type? Mavis Beacon teaches typing, man. But he talked about the Goosebumps movie, how Jack Black played him. And he asked his son, like, who should play me? And his son was like, Morgan Freeman. (laughs) That would actually be amazing. What? Because he's just like crotchety (laughs) and like whatever. (laughs) I love Morgan Freeman, by the way. There's no shade to Morgan Freeman. But we settled on Jack Black and that was great. I feel like they have similar personalities because he he really you could tell he really loved Mm -hmm. kids. I mean, he's written over 330 books, which is madness. Um, He did let loose that the Hulu Goosebumps series that dropped, he was like, this is geared more towards adults. He's like, this is not a kid's thing. So that's exciting. So I'm definitely going to watch it. And he said, he's like, don't tell anybody, but Netflix pulled three more of his Fear Street books for movies. Sign me up. But I also saw Kendara Blake there, and she was absolutely lovely and a really, really nice person. And she signed my anti-goddess and was quite surprised. She was like, this is like a first edition hardback. And I was like, I really like the series. She's like, have you read Three Dark Crowns? I was like, mm-hmm. of course. I read all of your things. It was definitely a cute little event. And they pulled some yeah. good good authors so i'm pretty impressed that's really exciting Mm -hmm. i have gotten targeted with that goosebumps ad about four million times i now have it memorized as does my mother because i was just in arizona with her and she saw the first time we saw it out of the 400 she was like goosebumps this sounds familiar i was like yes mother because you bought me many a goosebumps book in my time (laughs) anyway so yeah and then kinder blake the last time i saw her was uh, when they used to host a book con, RIP book con, it needs to come back if anybody's listening who's involved mm-hmm. in that. Um, and it was when, I want to say one of the last books in Three Dark Crowns came out. But she was talking about how when she was researching the poisoners, she actually realized that one of the trees in her backyard, it was like a tree or like a bush or something was actually poisonous. And so she had to oh have it removed. Like that's how deep down the rabbit hole she went with uh, just different Wow. Places. That's mm-hmm. scary. We bit scary. But yeah, it was a fun fact. She's so Love that she kind of took a break between her own books and was writing for like the Buffy universe. Because I think that definitely helped. Mm-hmm. I could see some of that writing in her latest book. Yeah, she brought that up when I was 
asking her some questions. She was like, I got contracted mm-hmm. to write Buffy. And she said, she was like, so I've been on a ton of Buffy podcasts. And I was thinking, are there Buffy I podcasts? I had no idea. I loved Angel. Yeah. I was a huge Angel yeah. fan. Like, great. I also liked watching uh, mm-hmm. David Boreanaz on Bones as well. So we did a rewatch of that. Every time I look at him, though, I can't think of anything. Oh, I know. Angel. It, was, it was hard to watch. I was like, you're not an FBI agent. You're a vampire. I just choose to believe any show he's in is just an iteration of Angel and just like what he's doing to pass the time, honestly. So mm-hmm. saw a video, like an old clip, and it's remember when they would get turned into the vampire, that oh, weird God, the face. like anger face. <laughs> It was rough times in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> Is that what they mm-hmm. look like? Is that what we mm-hmm. did? Oh, I completely blacked that out of my head. And I saw that. I was shocked. I was like, oh, what were we doing? They did that in Charmed, too. Like when they did the demon faces and stuff. Just the, the way that they made evil creatures in the 90s is disturbing and not in a good way. I'm really glad True Blood did not go down Same. that route. They just flicked out some right. things. All right. Well, bringing us into a slightly different category of spookiness, uh, Tracy Cross's debut novel, Rootwork, was released in November of 2022. And it's actually the first book in her Conjure trilogy. Cross takes us to Louisiana in 1889 uh, to a small community with three sisters, Betty and and Peewee, or Hattie, as that's her business name. I loved that note. And the time they spent with their hoodoo practicing aunt, Theodora, aka Teddy. While Anne and Peewee want to become the next generation of hoodoo women in their family, Betty is just looking to get out literally. <laughs> Cross writes a story about the strong ties within families and leaves you wanting more. I when I finished this book and I went on, I saw that it only it had less than three hundred ratings and under eighty reviews. This is so under the radar; yeah. it's mind blowing. It's like, why isn't this being talked about more? Well, the good thing is mm-hmm. we have a. I think our challenge for next month is something with under like what a thousand reviews or a thousand ratings yep. or something like that. So this could be a, a contender for anybody who is participating in our page rage rating challenge and are looking for something spooky. You should do it. Well, did you know anything about hoodoo versus voodoo before reading this? I just really enjoy saying this. Hoodoo, voodoo, hoodoo, voodoo. I did because I have been to New Orleans nine mm-hmm. jillion times and I've taken all the tours you can possible. Every time I go back, I pick a different tour company and I love it every time. What I can remember about voodoo versus hoodoo is voodoo came straight from Africa and hoodoo was just done in the south it's like voodoo was like an actual religion in africa that came over and they said that hoodoo was like different beliefs that was more like a southern practice that's all i remember on every tour they said that because people would always ask have you heard of it i've definitely obviously heard of voodoo uh voodoo i don't know if i realized it was a real practice or if it was just people you know how people like say like weird sayings and things i didn't know if they were just saying like hoodoo voodoo whatever if it was an actual practice i think i probably learned a little bit more about root work as a whole when we were reading Legendborn, just because Tracy Dion did create root craft, which is a fictional religion out of actual root work and hoodoo. So I, I definitely went down a rabbit hole when we started that series. I'm like, before our readers, medium.com by way of Google differentiates <laughs> these two as voodoo is the religion or belief system of many African Americans living in the Mississippi Valley. 
Hoodoo, on the other hand, is the magic that has derived from the teachings of voodoo, which was originally a part of voodoo. Uh, Hoodoo is the craft and the practice where voodoo is the mindset and the monarchy. So that was an interesting definition. I did not know that root work and hoodoo were the same thing. So I definitely learned (laughs) that. I had no idea about that. So that was very interesting to learn. I was like, oh, shit, I had no idea. And then I thought of Legendborn. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, Mm -hmm. it's all falling together now. Yep. All the pieces are coming together. We've been reading a lot about this conjure work, root work, all of the works uh, that basically came out of enslaved Africans in the South. Was this a rage or rave for you? When I first started reading this, I was kind of like, what is happening? Like, I just didn't understand. I don't typically read things from kids' perspectives, I guess, since I'm not a kid anymore. And But I was kind of like, where is this going? And then I think we got in the middle of the book and then like a lot of things started happening. And I was like, oh, okay, this is fun. So I think it was more of a rave than a rage, um, a little bit more than a page okay. I just think it was too short and needed to be, we needed more honestly. We'll see where the next two go. What about you? Like you said, it's a little bit leaning more towards a rave. The only thing I felt when I finished the book, I felt like I was supposed to open the next chapter. Yeah. Like, okay, I have the introduction Mm -hmm. and I was ready for at least something a little bit more. I just felt like I read one long introduction Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, chapter, oh, no, the book's over. But you know what? Cross did a great job. I want to read the next one because I want to know what the hell happens. So she definitely keeps you wanting Mm -hmm. more. But it definitely just felt like one long introduction. It just introduced everything and then it was over. But I did like it. I like the characters. I like the sense of community they have. Hattie was my favorite when she did that little line with the as that's my, my business, business name. <laughs> that was so cute. I yeah. saw it in my head. This little girl, like I loved her from then on out. I was like, I'm in love with you. You're my favorite. You're absolutely adorable. <laughs> that's a good fire in her. Good for her. If I ever have her. kids, they're not that level of sass. I don't want them taken back. <laughs> I mean, Gigi already is, so that's just my dog. Yeah. So. <laughs> I can't. How as an adult could you not just sit there and crack up? Be like, what is happening? <laughs> so I was recently at the bachelorette party. You know, women in our 30s. So it's all journeys mm-hmm. of life. Somebody was pumping. We had moms there. And I was asking some of the moms, I was like, what do you do? Because they were just talking about some of the things their kids say. And I was like, how do you not cackle? <laughs> like, I, I don't mm-hmm. know how I would handle a kid, like you said, saying something like that to me. I would just be like, what is wrong with you? And they're like, oh, it's cute for like maybe the first or second time. And then you realize they're like being serious about the way they are saying these things and delivering things Mm -hmm. to you and sassing back. And then you're like, oh, shit, I had to actually like (laughs) curb this behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Reading it just made it for me. I was like, if I didn't like this book before, I definitely like it now. That was was easy. But it is a very short like snippet. I want to say it's less than 200 pages. It's very, very small. Mm -hmm. When I was researching uh, for this episode, I came across a quote about root work from a blogger named Tulsa Ghoul. And her quote said, Cross writes in a way that immerses you in the South. You hear the accents, you smell the cornbread, you feel the mud under your boots. It's probably for the best that you can't taste the moonshine, though. In terms of setting the stage and the backdrop of the book, do you agree? Absolutely. I felt like I was right there in the story the whole time. She did a really good job at that. I felt like I was in the community. I saw every single character, how she described them. And even if she didn't go into full detail, you it was very easy to just create them in your head. So she definitely gave you a very good foundation on everything. What about you? Yes, I also, I, I did enjoy her descriptions of things. Yes, I de- definitely wanted uh, some cornbread and uh, was definitely feeling the humidity of the area as I was reading this. Okay, so 
Who is your favorite character between the three sisters, Pee-wee, Anne, or Betty? Um, definitely Pee-wee. I mean, she stole the show. In the in the first mm-hmm. couple pages, I was like, she annoys me. And then we got like the business end and or like her business, not the business end, but the business name and like some of these other things that I was just like cackling. I think Betty was probably my least favorite. She's feels like a mm-hmm. stick in the mud. So, and Anne, I think Anne has potential, but... Same, Pee-wee was my favorite. Betty, I feel like, wasn't as flushed out as the other two. She was always gone doing something with that boy, or I feel like the focus was mostly on Anne and Pee-wee. A trip and a half, that girl. Well, obviously, a big part of the story is uh, their journey into root work and hoodoo. The person leading them into that was their Aunt Teddy. What did you think of her? I loved her. I wanted her to be my Aunt Teddy. And I love her name, Theodora. Love that name. I think she definitely commands a room when she walks into it, as she should. And I really loved her love for her brother. I did enjoy her. I don't think I ever fully understood why there was drama between her and the mother. Um, I don't like unnecessary drama between women for like no reason i think that's overdone and i'm over it so i i'm hoping she at least expands upon like i also wanted a little bit more about aunt teddy's side of the family because they were talking about like over mm-hmm. this mountain and you know she was in with all of them and they all practice you do and i'm like can we go there in the next book yeah it was hard not to like her and i liked their mom yeah i too. did too i just didn't I, like the unnecessary yeah. conflict with them. Mm-hmm. yeah the only thing i can think of like when i read it i was like are you really you really hate her because she just practices yeah, different feels- okay it's like okay i'm like i don't i don't like that i mean we didn't really know their dad that well r.i.p but um Mm -hmm. i did like all their parents i think they all had like a little bit of personality i liked the relationship between the mother and their father it's very cute and obviously like you said how much teddy cared for her brother was obviously a a lot (laughs) based on this what happens at the end when we go on our quest for vengeance so i get that i would have done the same thing so i definitely loved it i love me a good sibling story yet again (laughs) did this feel like a sibling story to you yeah i mean three sisters again betty i just didn't really get enough of i don't know where she's gonna fall in this she just went poof and peaced out <laughs> she went poof <laughs> so I feel like it was just like she was gone was- bye Betty so I'm really hoping the next one the three sisters somehow like converge together and Pee Wee slaps the shit out of Betty at some <laughs> she point she probably and- will I liked all their bickering she- and their nonsense and mm-hmm. just their the way they were with each other it felt realistic one thing one other thing I noticed in this book that was <laughs> I don't feel like I got enough and I was it, it felt a little disjointed to me was just It seemed like obviously there were a lot of deeper issues around the community as a whole, but especially centered on mixed race people that were mulattoes at this point in time. That was what we were called. I just remember this one sentence where it literally said there was this community made because the their white families didn't want them and their black families didn't know they existed and it was like this constant conversation about skin tone and like how some of them were white passing and like obviously the sheriff and his kids were up to no good and they were making all these random kids but like i don't feel like we ever actually addressed the issue or what was happening it was like just thrown out there and then just dropped and left do you feel differently was that just me i there was a moment in the book when betty got cornered by (laughs) the sheriff and she acted i mean ignorance she didn't know and then i think the boyfriend's mom came and like she's like nope Mm -mm. jerked her out and she was like absolutely not we're not doing this and betty's reaction was so almost mad at her for doing it and i'm thinking are you you can't be 16 and this dumb like come on like nobody was like hey do you not see some of these kids around here they're his how do you think this is happening so it was just kind of like rose colored glasses on certain things that whole community that nobody talked about i was like what's 
going on here? Yeah. We're- I was like, what? Why do my people have to be in the woods? Like, what's happening here? I am, I'm confused. So, yeah, I was looking for a little bit more on that. They kept addressing how, like, the sheriff would, like, keep these girls. And then, I don't know, they just kept alluding to this, like, house full of women that he had or, like, you know, that he was holding prisoner, like they were never mm-hmm. seen again or something happened. But I'm like, what happened there? Like, why didn't we, nothing was resolved over here. I don't know if that's going to be in the next book. Yeah, they should have taken uh, the sheriff's wife and whatever to her because she didn't sound like that great of a woman herself. So yeah, that was very <laughs> confused. It's like, okay, we're just going to drop this and leave it. All right, we're dropping it like it's hot. And then we're just running away from it. I was like, okay, maybe book two. Okay, so Lone Wolf popped in mid towards the end and he was the one that was in the business agreement with uh little hattie who i loved did you think he was real or did you think he was like a spirit because there was a lot of those mystical things happening in this book yeah because obviously we realized when we found the community of mixed people that hattie could or peewee could actually see spirits like they were just normal people she didn't even realize they weren't people at first we're introduced to lone wolf i thought we were on some kind of spirit plane and i'm still not fully convinced that he's fully corporal and in (laughs) like our world (laughs) i'm not fully convinced that he does not live in another plane and i'm not fully convinced teddy's house is not in a different plane either just because of how they talk Mm. about it and they're like have you noticed she always has to lead people here and you can't just he's like looking for you so Something's definitely up with where they live, and I'm just not sure what that is. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I didn't think he was real at first. I did not know if he was a spirit or what he was. I know he's obviously a seer. His family were seers. I didn't fully believe he was in the human world. So you're you're Patrick Swayze from Ghosts. That's what we're feeling. Yeah, but obviously Teddy can see him too, and I don't know that she could see other spirits. So I mean, I guess he's kind of here, but I don't know if he's fully human. You know, I thought he was because he danced with Teddy, and you know, he's like in love with her and so i thought oh he's got to be real because if this is gonna happen mm-hmm. i don't know but i really liked I his character his whole vibe and energy and how he just was like so this is where i'm supposed to be mm-hmm. this is why i was put on this earth he could have been doing anything he wanted with the powers he had and he chose to just work with horses so this kind of reminded me of the good house by tanana reeve just the intersection mm-hmm. of native american and like black culture And I love seeing it because obviously that's what my family is made up of, too. And so I just really like seeing and books that show how these two cultures like lived side by side, especially in this time period, because that's very much what was happening. At least that's how my family got so mixed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You ever think how different life would be if, you know, they had banded together and actually taken over? Well, you see, the tribe that I am from, uh, we actually scalped people. So we were the ones who uh, probably gave everyone else a bad name. (laughs) That was actually Blackfoot Indians. (laughs) It's tough because as as a collective, I don't think Native Americans were able to get on the same page. I don't think, you know, those who were technically free African Americans were not able to really collectively unite either. And that was the point of scattering them into all these different directions. So I wish it, I wish it could have been different. I think we all do. It would have been very interesting um, if we did acknowledge our Native roots and... I learned that. And when I read Reservation Blues, uh, the January book I did, I had no idea that the tribes were like very anti yes. each other. Yes. Guys, if we would all I work know. together. I know. But that that's also the point. White Americans didn't want that mm-hmm. to happen because then it would be a whole different ballgame, right? So come. I know everybody's yeah. mad. 
let's set that yeah. aside for a bigger issue. You put we'll that knife down. <laughs> you stop yeah. yelling. <laughs> you let's have a common enemy. Yeah. Enemy, uh, my enemy is my friend. Yes, that's the vibe. Like, that's, that's the mentality we needed to have at that point in time. And unfortunately, just did not. Okay. We have discussed a lot of books on this podcast, like London Seance Society is like the last one that I can think of, where we just didn't feel as though true justice was carried out for, I don't want to call them villains, because we like villains, but perpetrators Mm -hmm. um, in the books. Do you think justice was actually carried out in this novel? For the sheriff? I mean, yeah, he, he, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was pretty rough. I mean, I didn't feel bad for him, but that was a lot. Like, they they peeled the skin off that man. They sure did. And she started peeling that. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. I would stay right on that good side. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't anything he didn't deserve. So, yes, on this part, yes. What about you? Yeah, I was uh, finishing this book on a plane ride yesterday next to two older Karens, and they were giving me side eye about the front of this book. And I just kept looking at them like, may I help you? Um, so when I was reading that part, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, thank God this isn't like a Netflix show. They would be like, <laughs> they would be losing their minds on me on this plane right now. But yeah, I was like, oh, we're pe- we're peeling his skin off. Okay. All right. I guess my question, and I'm not 100% sure. I'm like, do you think they killed him? Or did they just leave him in this like altered state of just pain and torture? If it was me, I would have left yeah. his ass to die there. So I would have been like, and I got what I needed. Because I think they're using this. Yeah. They're taking yeah. whatever it is and using it. So, I, you know, F him. Yeah. He didn't care about what he was doing. I wasn't going to care about him. I was like a pure eye for an mm-hmm. eye justice back then. So I just kind of feel like he's in I've, like this. I do not feel You know bad. the Rose and Beauty and the Beast, how it's just like in that little like glass bubble. Mm-hmm. I just picture him in this glass bubble, which is like no tongue, missing all the skin off his back, just in constant pain and torture for the rest of his life. That's kind of what I like to think. I think he deserves it. So I'm okay with that. Okay. Well, I spoke about it earlier. The ending of this novel, it felt like I should have flipped the next page and should have said chapter one. How did you feel about it? And do you feel like the pace picked up towards the end? Because it was a little slow to get into. Yeah, it definitely was a little slow. I was trying to understand where the book was going to go. And then like we said earlier, you kind of hit a certain point and then just everything is happening. The ending was a little chaotic just because you see the girls like running through the woods, like away from, you know, whatever, however the adults chose to finish the sheriff. And then all of a sudden, like the daughters are just like scattered all corners of the earth. And you're just like, what is happening? Like the mom and Anne are heading off in one direction. Patty, Pee Wee, like ran off to her Aunt Teddy and Betty is just gone. We actually have no idea where Betty is. We don't know if she's okay. Gene is very suspect to me. I don't trust his ass either. So I'm nervous for what's happening with Betty. I mean, the end ended the way it should when you're in a series. There's definitely a cliffhanger. We're like, what the hell is Mm -hmm. happening? Now we have to read the next. But I am hoping the next book is bigger than like the 150 pages or whatever this one was. Like it was like the frosting Mm -hmm. on the cake. You didn't actually Mm -hmm. eat the cake. So I need a lot more for the next book is what I need. I need a little bit more from the characters. I thought... Wasn't it the dam that broke or was it just like Mm -hmm. a flood? It was like the dam. I thought that was an interesting add-on. I guess that's how she had to use to split up the other two because, I mean, Betty was going to peace out regardless. Nobody knew where she was going to go. But to split the other two because I thought they were definitely going to stay together. 
Which ironic to me because Anne was the original person who wanted to hang out with Teddy. Well, where do you think this book is going to go? The bridge book, as we like to call it. I hope she jumps forward in time quite a bit. Like, I hope these girls are like actual semi-adults. I hope Pee Wee is like in her late teens, maybe early 20s, and then up from there. And I would like to see them settled. I don't know what I want from Betty. I hope the mom's still alive and I hope Teddy's still alive. But as for the sisters, I do hope they come back together. But I hope hope they're older. What about you? I would like more background and I would like to dive more into like what is going on in this community because I think it's bigger than just the sheriff. I was like, there's pieces Mm -hmm. here we have not addressed. And I would also like to know what is going on with the girls and why they're such a big deal because I feel like there's a lot more about these three sisters that we don't know. Obviously, we saw a little bit about it at the end of the book. They're like, no, it has to be all three of you. The power of the three. I'm getting like charmed vibes, honestly. But, you know, Mm -hmm. three is a powerful number, especially in this, you know, in these circumstances. So fair enough. But I'm interested to know like why they are so important. I do hope because I know uh, Pee Wee has the most powers, I guess you could say. But I'm hoping Anne and Betty somehow find their niche and whatever they're supposed to be a part of especially yeah. betty i think i hope she Anne was trying i think Anne was more so in like what was it they were saying peewee was more obviously she can speak to the spirits and it's it's more things internal mm-hmm. to her and i think was better at like the actual spells or like putting things together or something mm-hmm. like that but yeah betty there wasn't really much happening with her she's like i just want to go to finishing school la, da, 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 da. Okay. i just like this boy hey okay. i was like how lame yeah. betty you're choosing a boy over this is mm-hmm. so cool meanwhile <sighs> peewee's in like a full back bend like exorcist style <laughs> what's happening <laughs> no that was great i was like oh i felt that in my body end of the book do you think it deserves more hype I definitely do. I I feel like I have seen this book quite a bit. So I was I'm surprised by the lack of ratings and reviews because genuinely, I mean, I have had this on my list for probably at least well, probably since it came out. So I'm not really sure why more haven't read it and more aren't interested in it. Hopefully we can help boost that up a little bit. I agree. I hope we can too. And Miss Cross, I may slide into your DMs after the second book and see if you want to join us. No, I wonder when that's going to come out. I just read her bio and it says she's working on it. That'll be exciting. But yes, this will definitely uh, resurface in our No Hype November reading challenge. So keep an eye out. Good for spooky season. Okay. Well, obviously, we we didn't really read much when we were on vacation, to be completely honest. We just kind of like fell apart and that's okay. (laughs) What books are you excited for that are coming out this fall? One of them I just finished, uh, it actually got me really in the mood for Spooky Season, Starling House by Alex Harrow came out October 2023 this month. And I finished it in like, I think a two and a half day sitting. And I'm a big Alex Harrow fan. I've read a few other of hers. I'm really trying to knock all of her books off my list. It's just kind of hard when you have a giant TBR. So Um, this is another haunted house themed gothic fantasy with a mix of romance thrown in. I think my favorite part about this book is the cast of characters. They are the two main characters, Arthur and Opal, are perfectly imperfect. They are not described as good looking. Opal is, I want to say she's the equivalent of like a hot mess express who's a thief, a liar. Like she's doing everything to get by, but she's got a heart of gold. Arthur is, of course, your brooding hero in the back. The hair is parted over the one eye emo. And I love them. I love the story. And there's also two other characters who's one of them is a librarian. Her name is Charlotte. And honestly, I picture her as Umbridge 
good umbrage, just like short and timeline quirky. Yes. She takes no shit, but she loves in a very big way. And then Bev, the gruff uh, Garden of Eden hotel owner slash motel, who every time she wanted to check on uh, Opal and her brother, if they were alive, she would switch off the internet. (laughs) I haven't seen you in three days, so I just want to make sure you're alive. Or my personal favorite, she shut off their air conditioning and I enjoyed that as well. I highly suggest this read. There's more to the story. Alex Harrow really, really does a great job on sucking you in and setting the scene within the first two chapters. What about you? Actually, I opened up my book of the month box for October yesterday because I've been gone. And uh, that was actually one of the ones I got. Anywho, uh, my first one uh, was Champion of Fate by Kendara Blake, which I actually have already read. It was released on my birthday. So the book is a Virgo. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think I said that in my review, too. I was like, it it had no choice but to be good because it came out in Virgo season. So I would not allow anything else. Um, so she built a new world centered around the Aristine, who are basically a mystical female warrior clan. They're also hero makers. So basically... They are not the ones who are remembered in history, but their heroes are. It follows Reed, who's one of their initiates, and she has one last challenge in her way, which is the biggest one. She basically has to shepherd her hero into glory on the battlefield. If she succeeds, she will become a full Aristine. If she fails, she will be cast out. And of course, that's the only home she's ever known. Um, There's also a little fun nod to Three Dark Crowns, which I absolutely loved. I actually want to go back and reread it because I'm like, is she more, is this person more in Three Dark Crowns that I missed it? But I got to go down that rabbit hole. So, and I think I said this in my review too, like Reed is a little bit flat in the beginning, but there are choices that she makes towards the end where I was like, okay, because if this book was written 10 years ago, she would have made different choices. And I don't want to give anything away, but I am, I was pleased with the outcome. My other one is Midnight is the Darkest Hour by Ashley Winstead, which is in my net galley and also would have been on my TBR because I do like her and I've read a few of her books. It is in her small hometown librarian. Somehow I keep finding librarians in multiple books, which I'm not mad about. Ruth Cornier has always felt like an outsider. Or fortunately for Ruth, the only things the townspeople feel more than the God and the devil are the myths that haunt the area like the story of the low man a vampiric figure said to steal into sinners bedrooms and kill them on a moonless night that sounds like some bullshit a church made up so that's ridiculous when a skull is found deep in the swamp next to a mysterious carved symbols ruth realizes only sheen everett an old friend with a dark past have the power to comb the town's secret underbelly in search of a true evil I mean, I guess that it's uh, the pastor. Probably. So that's I've already, I've already I've already decided to end. We'll check back. I'll circle back and let you guys know if I'm it right. It kind of reminds me of like the history of wild places or the wild history of secrets, whatever that book was called. <laughs> wild history of... I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> no, I can't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that book. <sighs> All right. Well, next up for um, me, and it's actually uh, just, it was just unboxed yesterday. I do have this in my little hands, my hot little hands here, but never Whistle at Nights, and it is an indigenous dark horror anthology. Um, and it will introduce readers to ghosts, curses, hauntings, monstrous creatures, complex family legacies, desperate deeds, and chilling acts of revenge. Mm-hmm. It's anchored by author, and I think he probably he might have started kicked off this whole anthology, but. Steve 
Stephen Graham Jones. Uh, and it also has authors that we have read like Rebecca Roanhorse, Andrea L. Rogers, and Nick Medina. I'm very excited to read it. So another group of short stories. Perfect for spooky season. You know, I will read anything by Stephen Graham Jones. I am obsessed mm-hmm. with him. My final one, which I just got in my neck out, I was super excited. And it's just a lighthearted, funny book about crazy women shifters. I just love this series and I love this author. The nonsense she comes up with, with the women beating up on men is just, like, it kills me every time. Born to be Badger by Shelley Lawrenston. It's the fifth in her Honey Badger shifter series. And honestly, this is just like an off the wall series that is ridiculous. And I love every second of it. And I had no idea she was even writing anymore because she's been MIA for so long. So when this popped up, I was like, oh, my God, I need to get it. So I am pumped. It's going to be a quick read, but it's definitely going to give me some laughs. That sounds absolutely ridiculous, but (laughs) I love it for you. Well, lastly on my list, uh, no introduction really needed, but it's The Woman in Me by It's Britney, Bitch. And um, little concerned for Britney. Obviously, we all wanted her to be freed, but Mm. I'm a little concerned for her mental state. Obviously, she's been through a lot in her life, and I hope there is a way for her to get help in a healthy way where she feels safe. But I am interested to read this book. I hope she spills a lot of tea. I hope it wasn't uh, two tones down, but gonna read it anyway. We're gonna see. We're gonna see what Brittany has to say. I really just think Brittany needs like a seriously good friend. That's what I feel like. Like a friend who's just like Brit. The knives, no girl. Yeah. Like yeah, that was a lot. That we're dancing with. I understand they were fake knives, but we're literally doing like mm-hmm. a, sna- a snake dance with knives. And I'm worried about her. And it's hard for her because obviously the people she trusted the most in her life stabbed her in the back and literally basically put her in prison in her own home for mm-hmm. a good chunk of her life. So I get it. It's hard to trust at that point. I hope we can get her on a, a healthy, happy road. Brittany, we all mm-hmm. love you. Mm-hmm. You like made up my childhood. So I really am rooting for you, Brittany. Rooting for you. But yes, we'll be picking it up. Knew all, we all knew all your dances. Like if yeah. you want to dance, girl, we'll dance with you. Yeah. Ah, Brittany. All right. Well, we will report back on all of these reads. um, But we also want to hear from you. What book are you most excited to read this fall? If it's a spooky season read, uh, we definitely want to hear. Email us at hello at pageragepodcast.com or DM us on Insta at pageage underscore podcast. And of course, as always, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast network.